Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 99 of Grow With Soul. Today I want to talk about time. At the beginning of every year I do a survey which my newsletter subscribers and also some of my Instagram audience very kindly fill out for me. Um, This year I took all the responses to the question what is your biggest challenge and I put them into wordcounter.net and what that does is it counts the words but it also shows you the density of certain words. So from that I could see that the word used the most as a challenge was time. And, you know, more than connectives like and, more than the generic words like business and work, which will come up as you're talking about things like this, it was time that came out on top. So it's something we're clearly all feeling acutely at the moment in lots of ways, whether you're on your own and it all feels a bit pointless or you're desperately homeschooling and juggling like never before. This is why I decided that my first Make It Better workshop of this year is going to be all about time. And as I am preparing for that workshop, I thought that in this episode, I would share some of the methods and the resources that have been crucial in me changing my thinking about and ultimately reclaiming my time. So I'm going to start with outsourcing. Because the truth is that outsourcing made it much easier to do the other things that I'm going to talk about in this episode. So I know that you might be thinking, okay, well, that's not for me and be about to switch off, but just stay with me for a second. Because sure, if you're right at the beginning of your business, you may not know what you want or need to outsource. And that's fine. You don't have to be there yet. But as I said to a client recently, the time that most of us start to think about outsourcing is about six months after the point that we really need to. I think about outsourcing a bit differently to how you might be. And so I want to talk about it because I think the perspective might help. So I started outsourcing certain admin tasks at the beginning of 2019. And this very much was at least six months after I needed to, because this was right at the kind of white centre of the heat of burnout. And I was really on the brink of collapse and urgently needed to make some space and time in my weeks. I had come to a bit of an impasse where the day-to-day of my admin and my full client load meant that I didn't have any of the mental space or the time to develop some new ways and some new directions to make the business more sustainable for me. So I was kind of caught in this downward spiral or this loop that was burning me out and I couldn't get out of it. 
I needed to outsource the admin of formatting and publishing blog posts and also publishing the podcast show notes in order to clear some space to get my head above water. And so doing this, outsourcing the publishing of blog posts and of show notes brought me back about four hours a week. Now, of course, my head is above water, but I still continue to outsource to a VA or virtual assistant, not only because I want to stay with my head above water, but also because it's what helps me to have a less crowded life. And outsourcing this stuff is now one of the very last things that I would give up doing in my business. You know, if everything was falling apart, this would be the last thing that I'd be willing to get rid of. There is a sense that if we outsource, we have to be able to make back the money we spend on it. Kind of like eating a donut when you're on a diet and thinking you have to exercise off the exact amount of calories that the donut was in order to kind of get back to zero, pretend it never happened. This is why I put off outsourcing for a long time and it might be why you're not considering it. Will I be able to increase my income enough to make back the money that I am spending on the outsourcing? That's the way we kind of approach it. But I don't look at it like that anymore. (laughs) I would, and I in fact do, continue to pay for my VA as my income fluctuates and as it drops because I don't think of it as a cost I have to make sure earns me back more rewards on top. I think of it as buying back my own time from my business. I think of it as paying for the freedom to do more of what I want. So think of it like this. If you subscribe to a magazine or an audiobook service or you're the member of a gym or you get a takeaway every Friday, you don't think you need to earn back the cost of those things. They are something that you love and they make your life worth living and you're happy to pay for them even though they essentially lose money. You've got less money at the end of the month because you have those things. I don't subscribe to any things like that, but I have a VA. (laughs) That's how I think of my outsourcing, something that I am happy to pay for because it makes my life worth living. It's a cost I am happy to absorb because the intangible, non-financial results are so much more worth it to me than the alternative. So perhaps if you've been thinking of outsourcing, whether it is a VA or whether it's a cleaner or whether it's a babysitter, imagine how it feels to think of it as something you're paying to make your life worth living in the same way paying for a cake is. Even if it's just an extra hour a week how much better would it feel? So I wanted to get the outsourcing conversation out of the way (laughs) because I think it's important. But the next couple of things I'm going to be talking about are all about changing the way that we think about time and resting control of how we think about that time away from the norms and the way that we've always thought about it. So the first one is being realistic about time. 
One of the main reasons we feel like we never have enough time is that we're totally unrealistic about it. We're unrealistic about how much time we actually have and we're unrealistic about how long things actually take. Now this comes from a place of optimism and hope because we really want to do this work and we really want to spend our time doing it and we really want to get as much done as we can. So at the beginning of the week we look at our calendars and we think I could probably get up an hour earlier on Tuesday and do some work then and I can definitely work for a few hours after dinner at least three days this week and I'll also spend all of Saturday on my business. And it all feels very hopeful and very doable as you kind of fill out your to-do list according to those hours that you've wrestled back from your week. But then on that Tuesday morning, you only get 20 minutes of meaningful work done because you didn't sleep well the night before because you were stressing about it. So you're already behind on that to-do list because you had 20 minutes and not 60. And then after dinner on Thursday, you can barely keep your eyes open and you sit behind the laptop for a few hours, but really you're mostly watching TV and kind of just fiddling around with your website. And the list is getting less and less ticked off and then more and more added on. So by the time you get to that Saturday, all your body wants is rest, but your list feels so overwhelming and so full of guilt at how unproductive you've been all week and it's just not fun (laughs) and all that hope and optimism you had at the beginning of the week has just drained away and it's drudgery again and that all started because you were unrealistic about the time you've actually got and it sounds counterproductive but plan for less time than you might have If you think you can squeeze five hours out of the week, plan for two. This makes you feel less crowded. It allows you to feel like you're actually making progress and achieving things. And you get an extra boost if you actually manage three and a half hours rather than two or rather than five. And the reality is if you're planning for two hours, you're going to get the same amount done in reality as if you'd planned for five The other reason to plan for less time than you might actually have is because, as I mentioned, we underestimate how long things take. I am often asked, how long should it take me to write a blog post? And how on earth am I supposed to know that? (laughs) It depends on how confident you are with writing, on whether or not you're dyslexic or you have issues with attention and focus. It depends on whether a teacher once told you you were no good at writing or whether you've done a lot of writing before. It depends what mood you're in. It depends on the topic you're writing about. I have, in one job or another, been consistently writing weekly posts for seven years. It's something I have a lot of practice in. It's something that I love and something that I'm good at. Sometimes it will take me half an hour to write a blog post. Sometimes it will take me two hours. It's all dependent on what the topic is, what mood I'm in, how the weather is outside, all these things. I can't, I'm not a robot. I can't always do it in 45 minutes exactly. 
There is no point in you giving yourself an hour to write a post because you think that's how long it should take when generally you always take about two hours. That becomes another way in which you feel you are falling behind your already tight schedule. Accept how long things take you, even if you don't like how long they take you. Over time, as you get better, they won't take that long, but right now they do and there's not really anything you can do about that. So plan for the time you really have, plan for the time it really takes you and not for the time that you wish it did. Now on to radical prioritisation. So this is an exercise we're going to do in the workshop in more detail together. It's probably a mark of our society that we managed to turn priority, the word, into a plural. We are not supposed to be able to have multiple priorities because the word priority literally means a thing that is more important than the others. There's only supposed to be able to be one. But I'll bet you have about 15 priorities, right? And you know, I also, I have four priorities this week. (laughs) I just think it's important to bring the weight of this into a discussion about prioritising because the meaning has been diluted. So you can sit and circle eight things that are priority, in inverted commas, by our modern standards. But if you were to think, okay, well, I can only pick one by the true definition of the word... How does that change your focus? This is the basis of radical prioritization. We give ourselves an out when we open the door to multiple priorities because everything can become a priority. That thing someone asked you to do becomes a priority. That strategy you heard on a podcast becomes a priority. Spending an hour on Instagram a day in the name of growth becomes a priority. And it's really easy to get to a place where you've got more priorities than non-priorities. When really, it needs to be the other way around. Radical prioritisation asks you to start again with that list. Now that you can only have one or two or three priorities, what are you going to choose? And that's important. You choose. So many of our priorities become our priorities because someone else wants or says they should be. But you know yourself and your business better, so you get to decide. What has the impact? What makes you actually enjoy sitting down to work? What are the things that you know kill two birds with one stone? And what would be different in your business and in your life If you only did those things and all the rest of the stuff swirling around on that list just filled in any gaps as and when they came up. Holding hands with radical prioritisation is goal-focused working because that really helps you to find your real priorities. So I feel like I have talked about this quite a lot of times in coaching episodes and I know I have talked about it in the trail and with clients but the fact that I keep talking about it kind of proves that it bears repeating. We often start with a thing that we are going to do. We're going to start a podcast, 
we're going to put more effort into Pinterest, we're going to be pitching to be featured in the press. And so we go about researching how to do that thing and we get a plan together and we go headfirst into doing the thing. But once we run out of that initial burst of energy, we feel a bit lost. We're not getting results, i.e. we're not overrun with customers or internet famous yet. We don't know what to do next and it all just kind of feels like it's slipping through our fingers, but we don't know what we did wrong. We did the thing and we researched the best practice, so why isn't it working? Because we didn't define what working meant for us and our business. We didn't start with the result we wanted, we started with the thing we were going to do. So this is what goal-focused working is about. Rather than looking at all the things you can possibly do, it's looking at what your goals are, what you want to achieve, and figuring out the best things to help you achieve those goals. And then you only do those things. Because if something's not taking you where you want to be, then why are you doing it? So rather than say, I'm going to start a podcast, start with the goal. So if instead the goal is, I want to reach a broader audience, and starting a podcast probably isn't the best way to do that because it's a busy marketplace and it takes time to grow a podcast audience. And so you're kind of ending up at the same place you already are. You're still trying to grow an audience just on a different platform. So to actually achieve the goal of wanting to reach a broader audience, perhaps saying, I'm going to pitch to be on other people's podcasts is the best action to take to achieve that goal. If, on the other hand, your goal is, I want to help people feel more connected to me and get a sense of what it would be like to work with me, then there's probably not much you can do that's better than start a podcast to achieve that goal. You know, incidentally, that is why I started Grow With Soul. So do you see the difference here? The answer doesn't lie in the thing you're going to do, but in the thing you want to achieve. And so I just want to finish with a recommendation of a resource that if you are feeling that you need to change your relationship to time, I would heartily recommend the book Do Less by Kate Northrup. One reviewer said about that book that there's nothing in this book that my single mum working two jobs couldn't have done. And I think that's a really great endorsement of it because it doesn't assume you have resources, but it helps you to redefine time and work with your natural rhythms. So that book is a really, really great place to start if this is something that you feel you're kind of drowning in. And you can also join me in my Make It Better workshop about time on the 3rd of March. So we're going to go deeper into the concepts I've spoken about here and more about organisation and stuff like that as well. There's a workbook to support you before, during and after the workshop. And obviously we get to talk about your own time issues in real time. And there's also the option to add on extra email support and a small group call after the workshop too if you would like some more accountability and support around that. So all the details for that you can find at simpleandseason.com forward slash workshop series. But for now, I want to leave you with the fact that while there is so much you cannot control, 
There is also so much that you can. Be on your own side with regards to time. Be realistic about it and give yourself the opportunity to feel like you are accomplishing and making progress, even if it's tiny. Don't do that never-ending to-do list guilt to yourself. You know it's not helping. Choose what's important and do that. Don't listen to anyone else. Don't listen to me. (laughs) You know, even if you don't think you know. Trust that what you think is important is important. If it feels scary, but also like, wow, exciting too, then it's probably important. Do those things and know why you're doing them. Focus on the result you want and cut out the things that bog down your calendar that aren't getting you the results that you want. Not forever, necessarily, but just while you need the room to get some progress done. You get to decide. You get to decide. Any links that I mentioned today will be in the show notes at simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast and if you think you have a friend who would really enjoy this episode uh do send them the link and as i haven't asked in quite a while it would also be awesome if you could leave a rating and a review there in the podcast app just to help other people get a feel of what the show is going to be about and kind of help other people to find it so if you are on apple podcasts you can if you scroll down on the screen you're at you will find the place to do the thing (laughs) right there and if you enjoyed it shared it online too that would be awesome and until next time i hope you grow with song